Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're here on a Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you all throughout the show. Our phone lines are going to be open 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. You can also find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, since it's Farmer Friday and our mailbox has been filling up here over the last few days, we're going to go right to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, start off with a Milo weed control question. Uh, this is from Tristan. He's down in north central Kansas, and he said, I have been running Verdict, Atrazine, PowerMax 3, and Dicamba as a pre-burn uh, down. I'm curious, what would be the best bang for my buck post-emerge application in Milo? I've thought about running Status along with Atrazine and Crop Oil as my post-emerge broadleaf herbicide program. So again, Verdict along with Atrazine and then PowerMax and Dicamba to knock down the emerged weeds. And then post-emerge, I was thinking about Status, Atrazine, and Crop Oil in my Milo. Uh, what, what would you do? Okay, so unless something has changed, status is not labeled for Milo. Uh, so I guess usually what I talk to people about in Milo is Husky. And the reason why is simply because I'm getting an HPPD out there. Pre-emerge, you got verdict, which is great. So you got sharpened down. That's a PPO chemistry. And then there's outlook in there that gives you a group 15. So post-emerge, what a lot of people end up doing is they go just dicamba, but the problem with dicamba is you can only use 8 ounces. So that's a half rate. Sure, you can throw a little atrazine with that, but it's just not the best. So we usually talk Husky, Husky FX, something like that, post-emerge. That's probably the direction that I would go. Darren, what what did what else did he say he used pre? They did, uh, well, they did Roundup and Dicamba along yep. with Verdict and... I thought it was like four things, wasn't it? Yeah, Verdict and Atrazine. Okay. So we've, you've already used up the Atrazine. That that was one of my questions. And then in post, you said status and something else. Atrazine and crop oil. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, anytime you have status... Now, again, you can't use it in Milo, but if you're going to use it in corn, you don't want to put crop oil with it because crop oil together with any amount of dicamba gets really hot. So I, I'm not doing that even in corn. Again, with the atrazine thing, back to that, can you throw some more atrazine out there post? You can, but I, I'm just worried about what you're going to rotate to. So that gets to be my my real big concern there. Now, the one other thing that I'm going to throw out is if you have grass problems, because in verdict, you got a low rate of a group 15. So what I often suggest to people is they go verdict pre and spike it with outlook because post-emerge, you only have facet. That's it to kill grass and it's not super cheap. So that that would be the one other thing that I would throw out to you post-emerge. If you are having grass problems, you certainly could run facet. All right, thank you. We appreciate the question. Uh, this one comes from Ty, and he sent some soil samples here. 
He said, all right, guys, uh, first year farmer in central Illinois. I've got high calcium base saturations around 85% with around 13% magnesium. So obviously that leaves, that leaves my potassium very mm-hmm. low in the yeah. one, and, one and a half, one to one and a half range. So I'm wondering uh, if I raise that to the four to 5% range, I know it'll be expensive in my 15 to 25 CEC soils. Very Will that bring the calcium down, or yes. or am I going to run into some other problems? No. And then I've got a couple other questions, too. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, oh, for- let, let me say, though, on the, on the K, I wouldn't be building it all the way to four this year. K is just too high priced, but I would be on a build program. Yeah, and if you can find then, manure or compost that's, yes. that's less expensive yes. than buying potash or something like that, that's great. Yep, just make sure every year you're putting out way more than what your crop is going to remove. Be in a build program, and sooner or later we'll get back to cheap fertilizer prices like we had two years ago. That was when we took a lot of the ground on our farm going from four to six or seven percent. I mean, we put on hundreds and hundreds of pounds per acre in some fields because K was at a 15-year low. Like I say, it'll happen again. When it happens again, then you just say, all right, I've been on this build program. Now I'm going to really build. Okay. So then he's got questions about nitrogen and then just overall what we see on the soil test and where we would focus our dollars if we were trying to build that soil back up. Uh, He said, now on the nitrogen side first, I didn't take a nitrogen sample this spring, so I'm not sure what was left out there this spring, but I'm going to be in a corn on corn situation. On those acres, I had put down 54 pounds with the pre-emerge and 150 pounds side dress. How much would you expect to get out of my organic matter? And uh, he didn't leave a yield goal, though. Uh, I don't know if it says anywhere on that test. I don't think it does. I don't see. Oh, wait. LOI, is that organic matter percentage, you think? We'll assume that it is. Okay, so the average is 3.9%. So say four, we'd usually figure 20 to 30 pounds of nitrogen for every 1% of organic matter. So that would mean 80 to 120 pounds you could expect to get out of your soil's organic matter, assuming 4% is your average organic matter level. Now, the other things that I would throw out, it's just, okay, and soil pH is really important. But your pHs don't look too bad. You maybe have just a couple spots in the fives that you might want to throw a little bit of lime out, but very little, no big deal. The main thing is you focus on NP and K first. Your phosphorus and your potassium levels are both really low. So you got to be in a build program with both P and K. When we look at the micronutrients, um, zinc is really low. You're at one part per million, so you need to be in a build program with zinc as well. Now, the cheapest way to put on a bunch of zinc is zinc sulfate dry. Do that in the fall. But... Um, you can, with the planter for a few years if you want to, throw some liquid zinc out, get at least a little bit going that way, and then just hit it hard with some zinc sulfate. But those are the main things that I see right off the bat. All right, thanks for the questions, Ty. really appreciate that. And yeah, when you're in your first year of farming, I, I just look at building up organic matter and, and over the long term, building up fertility and, and making improvements that are going to help you out for the next 30 or 40 years of farming. So good luck to you. We really appreciate uh, the support. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Ag PhD Radio after this. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. 
Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact Emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Here at Farm Shop MFG, we keep hearing from folks who've tried our germinators. Yeah, I'm Wayne Bossman. I was very impressed how they came up quicker and they're just better stand and really looking forward to using them this year. See what others are saying at farmshopmfg.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting from the Martin studio today. We're pretty excited on our own farm just because we actually have sun today and the wind's not blowing 100 miles an hour. It's uh, it's an enjoyable day on the farm. We're getting some spraying done, uh, corn spraying that is. Got a lot of weeds that are starting to come now. A few got past some of the pre-emerge things that we did. I, I would throw this out too. So we had one field or a couple of fields where it was later planting and normally with every field at about V1, we go spray field borders, like just the outside few rows. Well, <sighs> these last couple fields didn't get sprayed that way. And sure enough, weed disaster. So we really like spraying those field borders, just something a little different I thought I'd throw out there for you. But anyway, if you'd like to call into the show today, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. All right. Uh, First caller for the day is our friend Tony Wendler. He is with Farm Shop MFG, and he's down in the state of Iowa. Tony, how are you today? I'm excellent, Brian. It's just like in uh, scenic South Dakota, it's a beautiful day here in Iowa. The wind is calmer. I got spraying done uh, this morning. and uh, Excellent. It it's, uh, looks like, well, we're going to have a rainy weekend, but uh, the only complaint I would have, it's been too cool to put the pontoon on the lake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Maybe too cool to jump off the pontoon into the lake, but never too cool to, to put the boat out there. Hey, uh, Tony, I was thinking about North Dakota farmers, and they are just struggling trying to get in. Uh, are, are you getting questions from up in North Dakota? Have you worked with those kind of conditions before? Do you have any advice? Yes, I've... Uh, in fact, I've had a lot of calls in the past couple of weeks from people in North Dakota up through uh, Minnesota where they've been really wet. Uh, the, uh, it's, if you are 
in corn, you still need to look for the best conditions, and I think we've got that timing is running out on them. I don't know how late people are going to want to plant corn, but uh, that time might be moving by. Soybeans, uh, the uh, in some wet conditions, I've gone out and uh, planted uh, with uh, in which you really got to say is mud uh, in uh, no-till and. Uh, actually turned out really great with the sun is heating that soil up right now if you put uh, seeds into that ground beans will get out so if you're desperate i've seen it work excellent uh, in 2019 i had to do it in a field and it was planted the 8th of june and did 54 bushels i was extremely impressed uh, it was just a uh, circumstance of a uh, poorly tiled field harvested with a chopper head it was not drying on top was not drying uh water going down from the bottom, and uh, it was a desperation move, and it turned out really good. Uh, so that's uh, with, like, our closing wheels, we can close that furrow. Uh, seed soil contact's excellent. Those uh, seed get uh, cocooned in some warm mud, and uh, they will germinate really fast. They were coming out of the ground in two days. Yeah, that's the good thing about now with this later planted stuff. We we can get stuff out of the ground quickly if we do it fairly well. And I, I do like that inner shoulder that's on the germinator closing wheel. I think that's making a big difference out there, just getting those air pockets out and, and getting that good seed-to-soil contact that it's going to take if you want to get that, like you say, two- or three-day germination where it's popping right out of the ground. Uh, that that can be quite successful. Well, Tony, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I Anytime we can share a little bit of hope for, for the guys that are struggling through this, uh, just know if you are going through that and you're having a hard time getting things in, you're not alone, and, and it's not the first time it's happened. It's definitely happened before. So so reach out and, and get some help if you can. Hey, thanks, Tony. Really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks. You bet. Bye. You too. And get that pontoon out there. It's not too cold for that. Uh, let's head over to Illinois. we got Jeff on with us right now. Jeff, how you doing? Very well, and yourself? Pretty good. You know, I was thinking about you here just this week because we were we were having some food. We we're eating out of this buffet line, and there was horseradish at the end. And somebody said, "Man, that Excellent. must be for your brother because your brother puts that on everything." And I was thinking, "No, no, Jeff in Illinois puts it on everything." You know, <laughs> we're just trying to help out however we can, Jeff, with that horseradish crop. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we're having the uh, International Horseradish Festival here in Collinsville, Illinois, this weekend. Uh, I guess it's going on right now, Friday and Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. So uh, there's different, uh, I don't know, I think they've got a root golf contest and a root toss and uh, uh, bagging up, filling burlap sacks with roots and uh, different uh, things like that, as well as uh, food vendors and all the fun you have at a... Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Well, there. I know I know that freshly ground horseradish makes it uh, it gives it the most kick. So I, I wonder if there's a contest mm-hmm. about that too. That would be fun. Uh, well, from a growing perspective, we uh, try not to uh, go on what is the hottest variety because then all of a sudden <laughs> your buyers are all going to want a certain variety and gotcha. uh as luck would have it i'm sure the the really hot one that everybody wants would not be the high yield right right the farmers would want. so it, it's always a very true very true give and take in that regard so what do uh, what do all yeah. the crops look like in your area i know you've got kind of a diverse rotation 
Uh, yeah, with the horseradish in the rotation, uh, that changes our farming look a little bit. Uh, but like every fifth year in each field is our rotation, uh, not in every field. But yeah, I mean, the as you look around the neighborhood, it's just crazy the diversity that uh, people got in early and got some corn planted, uh, which I guess we'd fall in that category that the first time it dried up, uh, neighbors were putting on anhydrous and getting ready to spray, and we just went out and no-tilled corn and uh, side-dressing it now. So, I mean, you got everything from that uh, corn that's been that's a month old to weeds that are <laughs> still head high that need to be just down <laughs> or sprayed, whatever. So it's just, it's it's been tough. And the people that are iron rich and had the equipment to get it done in a timely manner have gotten it done. And those that uh, struggle anyway are riding the struggle bus pretty hard. Well, you know what, Jeff, you mentioned that. Uh, and I, I think this year it's going to be really hard. If if you're farming with your brother, not, not naming any names here, and your brother likes to have a few extra <laughs> tractors around, it really paid off this yep. year. So it's going to be hard to argue against that. So uh, it's yeah. just one of those things. Hey, how big is this corn you're side dressing, that early stuff you got in? Oh, it can be anywhere from uh, three to eight inches tall, I'd say. Okay. Again, not in the same field. I'm just saying different different plant dates. But, nope, nope, you're right. It, uh, it's yeah, it's interesting, a, though. I mean, some of that early stuff is up pretty good, and you look at all the fields that, mm-hmm. that it's it's been a struggle to get in, and it looks huge out there right now. Yes, for sure. And, and yeah, we've still got uh, 60 acres of corn to plant uh, for the first time. I put I planted uh, 248 out of 263, I believe, uh, in a field. Uh, let's see, I mowed hay yesterday, so two days ago or something to that effect. So, um, so yeah, out going around mud holes trying to keep moving, but that 60-acre field, I thought I could get 30 or maybe 40 acres done, but it just it didn't worth patching around. Yeah. So, yep. uh, but then it got another inch of rain. Over, over, let's see, whatever that was, uh, at, over the holiday or something, we got an inch of rain on some of it and two tenths on other parts of the farm is where I'm mowing hay is where it's drier. So, Huh, interesting. Usually when you cut hay, that's when you get the big rains, but maybe you guys are a little more lucky than we are. Uh, you know, this first <laughs> cutting of hay, what, what did it look like? Was it pretty good? Is it going to turn out well? Uh, I put in a new seeded a field that was alfalfa uh, with a few different grasses, uh, orchard and some fescue, timothy, as well as some chicory. And the chicory, I think every seed germinated and took off, and it was five or six foot tall and thick. And, uh, yeah, when I went and looked at the field a couple days ago, it was blue from all the blooms on the chicory. So I'm not sure if that's going to make real great horse hay. Um, cause yeah, it's got volunteer <laughs> weed in it as well as yep. everything else I've noted. So, um, yeah, I think we got some tonnage out there though. Sure. Sure. Well, it's always a learning year. No doubt about that. And it's uh, always fun talking with you, Jeff. Uh, good luck with the rest of, you, of the season here. Hopefully you get a little dry weather so you can get her all done. Yep. Thanks very much. Have a great weekend. You bet. You too. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and we'll be right back after this. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. Its easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Weather or not, relentless. That's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open throughout the show today to take your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We've got John on with us right now down in Iowa. John, how's it going? It's going real well. We just got through filling some hog buildings, and uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful day. It's not got 40, 50-mile-an-hour winds for a change, so that's kind of nice. <laughs> that, that is nice. Now, if you're if you're super happy, John, you must not be uh, soaking wet like some areas are. <laughs> no, we're not. We are not. We are actually fairly dry. Uh, we've had a few showers uh maybe in the last week or so, but nothing uh, nothing major here, unless you were underneath a cloud. You could be underneath a cloud and get three-quarters or an inch, or if you're not underneath that cloud, you got nothing. 
Sure, so sure. That's just kind of the way it is. But. Well, at least you've got hogs, John, because these fertilizer prices are crazy. And I, I'm just thinking, I don't, I don't even know about the hogs so much we're going to make money on them, but having that manure source would be a pretty good deal. Yeah, it it, it is right, uh, right at this point. You know, uh, we've had trouble in the past even trying to give it away to neighbors, you know, uh, when we had had uh, excess, and uh, I don't think that's going to be a problem anymore. <laughs> I don't is, think so. I, we we had several people uh, call us last fall after we'd been done already and wanting to know if we had any extra. And uh, but uh, yeah, these fertilizer prices that's that's going to be the thing where it's going to be the biggest deal that uh, we're going to have this fall to be a concern i think you know you mentioned something here that i think is a problem in our industry when when everybody wants the manure then everything's great and then there's some years that they think no 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 i don't and you'll have to give it to me and take an economic loss i just think we kind of need to be a little bit like the aerial applicators this year they're all booked up with fungicide applications and they're giving priority to their long-term customers and good for them i don't blame them one bit I think it kind of almost has to be the same thing. You know what? Fertilizer prices are high. Who are my long-term loyal guys that take it every year? <laughs> Those are the yep. guys that are getting it. Yeah. No, uh, and that's the way it is. And and we even trade some manure. We have some ground, you know, that's uh, 8, 10 miles away. And, and we, had, we know some guys up that way, and uh, they'll put manure on ours, and they have some ground down our way or uh, or. Uh, relative or something and we'll you know we'll put it on theirs we'll just trade back and forth like that that's that's the way uh that's the way it works in in uh, the farming industry you gotta you help out uh who needs help you bet so. absolutely so what do the crops look like they say you're a little bit dry there but I, I'm, I'm guessing some fields have caught more rain than others but uh how big is the corn uh corn is probably uh eight to ten inches uh We've gotten, we got off uh, probably not till the second week in May before we got planted, but uh, we had all that heat and it really took off. Five days it was out of the ground and going. Uh, beans are mostly up. There's a few fields around that aren't, but most of them uh, are up where you can row them good. Um, things really look, you know, pretty good right now. And we didn't, we didn't have a lot of, it was a little wet when we started planting, but um uh, you know, soon dried out with, like I said, 40 mile an hour winds every day and, yeah. and, uh, 90 degrees. It, it doesn't take long. No, no, that's for sure. This wind this year has been something else. Uh, well, John, good to hear everything's going well over there and, and, uh, glad you're loaded up with hogs. They are going to be very useful this year for you too. <laughs> and thanks for, thanks yep. for the conversation. Really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. Let's head down to Missouri. We've got Brooks on with us right now. How's it going down in Missouri, Brooks? I'm pretty well, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? We are doing pretty well, too. All the crop is in. I'm afraid we might have to replant just a tiny little bit, but but no big deal, especially in the grand context of this year. How, how about your farm? Everything in the ground and growing good? We got everything in the ground. Everything seems to be coming up. The early corn really, really took off well. We could use some more heat, but we planted it into pretty dry conditions, and then uh, we've since gotten some some timely rain. Uh, I don't think we're going to have to replant anything currently. Now, as you know, that can change in, on a dime. But right now, everything looks really good. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So everybody's complaining about these fertilizer prices. I'm sure you guys have heard it, too. What's what's your game plan for nitrogen in this year's corn crop? Same as normal, or are you changing things up? We will keep everything 
you know, as is, we we hate to chase things and 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 chase fertilizer fertilizer prices and commodity prices. So we'll try to keep everything the same as we have uh, all throughout the all throughout. You know, one of the things we're hearing a lot more about is guys talking about tar spot and, and other diseases in corn and, and trying to use multiple mode of action fungicides to try and fight them and this kind of thing. What's what's happening down in your area? Have you got disease issues that you're worried about or bugs that you're worried about? What what are the toughest things to fight? So we, on our farm, don't do fungicides just yet. Uh, I know a lot of guys do, especially in their beans. Um, we haven't got into that yet. We did several years ago. They were really, really bad. Um, sudden death was really taking over. But as of right now, and I haven't walked out into much lately. I haven't seen any real trouble so far. But it, it's a lot of sudden death, and, and we'll get some some bugs every now and then. But it's you know same thing everyone else deals with. Was was it fairly dry all the way through planting, or did you did it get wet for a while there? It, no, it was we. It, it's been dry since oh, since we planted last year. I think okay. uh, we really, really in a drought. But it, no, it rained uh, once or twice when we were planting. I was probably out. No, I take that back. It did rain pretty good. We got four inches um, whenever we were planting. I was about a week out, about a week and a half. But since then, it, it dried up, and we got everything else in the ground, and and, and we've gotten a few inches since then, and it's. I hate to say it's been perfect, but it's been pretty close. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll say this, Brooks. I hopefully, hopefully this is an encouragement, and hopefully I don't jinx anything by saying it, but generally when you're planting into dry soils, SDS isn't as bad that year. So hopefully this is the year that that, that one misses you guys because, uh, yeah, it would be real fun to have a great crop on a year like this. It, it, you know, it, it wouldn't hurt anything. It wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's for sure. Well, Brooks, good talking to you. Good luck here. Hopefully you guys catch some timely rain here coming up. You bet. Thank you. You too. Let's head over to Illinois. Got Jared on with us right now. And Jared, I hear you've got gnats over in your area. And man, they are bad here too. I actually uh, mistaken, or mistook a cloud of them here uh, for diesel smoke clouds when I was driving down the highway this morning. <laughs> they are that thick, that prevalent, and I thought it was that until I came up on it, and I thought, well, that smoke's not moving, and I got up there, and it was that. Wow. But, uh, but between that, the the lightning bugs that are out five weeks early this year, and the uh, and the kelp worm activity that I've already been noticing and everybody's been talking about here in Illinois, I'm just curious what kind of things that could lead a person to think that we could anticipate later in the season. Yeah. Well, Jared, let me tell you a story real quick. So when I was, I think still in, yeah, I must have been in college. It was uh, an internship that I did uh, between my junior and senior years. So I, I worked for FMC. They had all these great entomologists. And it was one of my first days. This was down in Omaha, Nebraska. I go down there. I'm talking to these entomologists. And I just threw out some question, almost exactly like what you said right there. And they go, Brian, here's the thing we want you to understand. We can't predict bug populations. And we're way smarter than you. So don't ever think that you can. And that's always stuck with me. Their whole point was this. You got to be scouting all the time because you don't know there could be some new bug that shows up. There could be some new pathogen that shows up to kill the bugs. We just don't know. So we just have to be on high alert, especially when we have crop prices this good. We have yield potential in a lot of areas. 
So yeah, I wish I had some great answer to say, oh yeah, you can expect in a couple weeks, there's this bug that's going to show up and this other bug in four weeks or whatever, but I just flat out don't know. Given the availability of insecticide this year, that's another added wrinkle to the question. I, there, there's a lot of insecticide out there. I mean, a lot. So I'm really not all that worried about it. Some people are, are concerned because they've used a lot of Lorsban in the past, but you got plenty of replacement products. Dimethoate is a straight replacement for Lorsban. Might not be quite as good as Lorsban, but it's out there. And I, worst case scenario, you can spend more money on some of these new insecticides. There, there's lots of insecticide out there. I'm just not all that concerned. I think we'll be fine. Hey, Jared, we got to run unless you got any other questions. Uh, nope, I'm good. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it very much. You bet. Yeah, thanks for the call, Jared. Yeah, there are a lot of bugs in 2022, that's for sure. But fortunately, we got a pretty good way to get most of them under control. We'd love to hear what's happening on your farm, and it's Farmer Friday, so our phone lines will be open all throughout today's program. When you pull your side dress bar out of the shed, do you dread the time and expense of replacing worn colders and bearings? There's a better way. Hi, Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. 360 Wide Drop for side dress bars is a quick, low-cost upgrade that cuts maintenance costs. Plus, you're likely to get a yield boost from moving nitrogen from the middle of the row to the root zone. Save time, money, and boost yield potential with 360 Wide Drop Side Dress. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. 
My name is Ryan. I am a farmer and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, let's head up to Michigan. we got Gordon on with us right now. Gordon, how you doing? Doing great. It's a beautiful day here. 72 degrees, sunny out. A little cool, but it's, it's nice. Oh, we'll take the sunshine. We'll take that sunshine. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have some, some uh, winter wheat. Um, it's not quite flowering yet. It will be soon. The flag leaf is obviously out and the heads are out. And um, it's a field I can irrigate and I can also fertigate. And I thought about uh, putting some extra nitrogen on with that price of wheat. I'm a little bit more motivated to push the yield a little harder. Sure. But uh, what little bit of research I've done is indicating that it's like too late to put nitrogen on at this time. But um, it, I just find it hard to believe. But uh, it, It's most likely too late to impact yield, yes. You could okay. impact protein, yeah. though. So there are a lot of guys who will do a very late application of nitrogen to boost the protein levels. So if, for example, you can, wherever you bring your wheat to, you can get a premium for a higher level of protein, that could potentially pay. But yeah, to think that we're going to impact yield at this point, yeah, probably not going to happen. Yeah, yeah that kind of coincides with well, whatever information I could find on the internet. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not about to start throwing money away, so I think I'll hold off. So. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah. so on the protein side, there isn't any type of premium or uh, you aren't worried about getting any discount for low-protein wheat or anything like that? Uh, there is no such thing here okay. in the markets. I take right. my wheat to. There's no premium for premium. and. I don't even know if they test for it. Uh, I've never yeah. seen a test result yep, yep. on the wheat we've sold. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. All right. right. Yep, I'm with you. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks, Gordon. Bye. Let's head over to Missouri. We've got Jeff on with us right now. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you? You know, doing pretty well up here. Uh, what's happening yep. on your farm? You got, uh, got all the crop in and all, everything popping up okay? Uh, yeah, the last, uh, hundred acres we planted, uh, of beans, we planted mon Monday and then we got, well, about four inches of rain on Tuesday, so we'll see what happens, but, uh, yeah, uh, other than that, yeah, everything is up, so it looks good, um, stands good, and weeds are staying under control, so uh, actually last, sprayed the good. last. That's good. I was glad to hear that. I think we talked weed control here before, and uh, it sounds like everything's yeah. working okay. Yep. Yep. Looks good. So, uh, one question I had, I talked to you about Autumn Super before, and uh, you said you use Valor. Is, is Valor XLT okay to use in the fall or not? That classic. Yeah, so... The, the reason why we talk about or we don't talk much about Valor XLT is because of that classic component that is in there. And so for any of our listeners, yeah. that's one of those old sulfonylurea products. It's in the ALS chemical family, so it won't kill ALS-resistant weeds. And a lot of the water hemp, kochia, mare's tail, all that stuff and more is resistant to ALS. 
But the big concern we have with Classic in the northern United States is high pH spots in fields or full fields. If the soil pH is above 7, we really worry about the carryover with Classic, plus the fact that we have a shorter growing season. So in Missouri, it's much more popular to use the Valor XLT and have that Classic out there because generally speaking, you've got a low enough pH, you've got enough rainfall, you got a long enough growing season, and typically we don't see problems with carryover into corn. So if you want to go that direction, you can. I guess my question always is, if we're going to add another mode of action, does that mode of action help you? Will the Classic kill some of the weeds on your farm, or will it not? Probably not, but I have some on hand. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yep. The, uh, so can you use Valorek, uh, like SX in the fall and turn around and use it in the spring again? Yes. Yep, you sure can. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't last all that long in the soil. The half life of that, uh, if I remember off the top of my head, it's somewhere around three weeks. So it it it, it, it it's going to give you some residual for a while, but it doesn't last forever. So yeah, as long as you're following the label, uh, you you really shouldn't have any problem. And yes, it's it is common for people to use it once every six months when we have the longer growing season, like you're talking about down in Missouri. Yes. Other than that, yeah, it's just been kind of wet, and I don't know. I think most people got everything planted for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could say the same thing up here. We got millions of acres still unplanted in the Dakotas and Minnesota. I was just kind of running through numbers with somebody yesterday, and I said, I'm really worried about a million acres in South Dakota, about two million in Minnesota, and and like five million acres yet in North Dakota that I'm concerned may or may not get planted yet. So hopefully we get some dry weather here in June and things can get in the ground yet. Yeah, that'd be good. Yep. Well, hey, Jeff, thanks a lot for the call, and uh, glad things are going well down there. You bet. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks. Let's head over to Minnesota. We've got Rich on with us right now. How are you doing, Rich? Oh, I'm doing all right, I guess. Um, Just got a kind of a question, I guess. I always wanted to try something on my soybeans, you know, like over the top as far as trying to get some extra bushels. And I've been raising, you know, mid-60s to 70-bushel beans every year, but I was just curious if there's any, I know there's no magic product or anything like that, but I was just wondering if there's something I should maybe try to go over the top when I make a uh, final pass here with the, you know, we, we you know, herbicide here in a couple weeks. Sure. So I, I'll just say you, you have several options. You got fungicide, you have insecticide, you have uh, in biological, or as we would call them, natural products. And then other than that, it's foliar fertilizer. So I'm really looking at four different potential categories. So like on our farm, so just to cover each one of those real quick, like fungicide, let's say you don't normally have a lot of disease. We still have gotten fairly decent gains spraying a fungicide at around that R2 to R3 stage. So in other words, full flower to first pot. So the fungicide thing has worked out pretty well for us. And I usually tell people, hey, at least give that a shot, especially with crop prices where they are. That'll probably pay for you pretty well. The insecticide thing, you got to keep scouting. If you have bugs, I just say we we hear from people all these economic thresholds that were used 20 years ago, and it's like, well, wait a second, insecticide's three dollars now, and my my bean price is 15 bucks. So the economics have changed. I'm just saying you don't have to have many harmful insects, but you got to scout. If you don't see any harmful insects, then the insecticide is not worth it. In terms of the foliar fertilizer, we have never had 
I'd call it fantastic results spraying foliar fertilizer on our crop. I'd encourage you maybe do a couple of plant tissue samples, see if your crop is short on something. And if it's short on something, then sure, you can go spray some foliar fertilizer. Um, we, there are a lot of the high yield farmers talk about having foliar fertilizer together with some fulvic acid. And there are some products out there that have combinations like that. Um, so that might be something worth trying. You could also potentially try some nitrogen because when you start getting up 65, 70 bushels, you're, you're starting to get toward the end of what the bean plant can produce all by itself. So when you get 80, 90, 100 bushel beans, a lot of guys are adding a little bit of nitrogen, whether it's foliar or on the ground. And then the last thing in terms of the biological natural side, uh, like on our farm, every time we spray Roundup, and you mentioned herbicide. So every time we spray Roundup, we put MegaGrow with it. That's a patented safener for the Roundup, and it helps the plant recover faster so we don't see the yellow flash and stuff. It's basically just uh, a couple of different uh, uh, plant growth regulators, so cytokinin and IBA, and it it definitely has given us some yield response, but here again, we're talking usually a couple bushels, not 20 or anything like that. So those are probably the things that I would throw out there that we're using and what we've seen having at least some results in the past. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll definitely consider some of that stuff. And um, one other quick question. I was sure. about ready to, ready to go out and do uh, some... Uh, nitrate tests here for side dressing the corn i got some yes. corn it's getting up six inches or so and yep. it's kind of time yep i heard you guys talking on other radio shows about go, going down two feet to do yep. the nitrate test we Is, do okay so that's probably definitely a recommended thing to do yep. then to that, go down at least two feet well that's our recommendation i'm not saying it works in every soil because i don't know if you have compaction and what you have out there but if your roots can get down to two feet you know, and even if they can't, even if they get down to a foot, foot and a half, sometimes the nitrogen can work its way up through capillary action. So, yes, we do encourage people to go and soil test all the way down to two feet on that nitrate test. Hey, Rich, thanks a lot for the call today. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. 
Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get maximum spray drift control with Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Max Nozzles, the ideal nozzle for dicamba and 2,4-D applications, providing up to 95% drift reduction. Ensure you get the best coverage on hard-to-hit targets. Learn more at Pentair.com Hypro. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, we had an email come in from Russ up in uh, central North Dakota. And he said, fertilizer for corn. We spread 200 pounds of N and 50 pounds of mez earlier this spring in April before the rains Wait, came. 200 pounds of actual N or 200 pounds of urea? What did he say? 200 pounds of N. I'm reading it word oh, for yeah. word. Okay. He said, we right. want to top dress some corn later on, maybe another 100 pounds of N. <laughs> when is a good timing other than right before a thunderstorm, of course? Does it pay to put down any more mez or 1152 that time of year with breakdown? Also, thinking if corn wasn't going to take in the 1152, we could spread more 1152 for next year's beans and save a trip with the spreader in the spring. Okay. When we start talking about this 1152 or mez, it's mainly phosphorus. Well, phosphorus doesn't move in soil. So to put it down mid-season, you're wasting your money for this year. And it's at an all-time high price. So to think, oh, we're just going to spread it now and get the benefit next year. I mean, you certainly can do that if you would like to. I'm not saying you can't, but I I don't, generally speaking, like to spend my money ahead when it's at an all-time high price. I'm going to hope and pray that it comes down a little bit by next spring so I can get a little cheaper price and then I'll be better off. But otherwise, sure, there's no problem with doing that. Just You can spread it. Just don't expect you're going to get any benefit this year. Now, there is in the mez some elemental sulfur and some sulfate. Now, that you can get some benefit from this year. And any nitrogen that would be in 1152 or mez, then you can get some benefit from that this year as well. So there is a portion of it that you could get some potential gain this year. Now, in terms of uh, top dressing, I'm not a big fan of top dressing at all. And the reason why is I just don't like that burn that's on the leaves. So any nitrogen we will put in our corn mid-season, it will be done with Y-drops or dragging hoses or a coulter machine or something like that. So it will not go on the top of the corn. 
if you're going to top dress, then the corn's got to be bone dry. You cannot do it right away in the morning. You cannot do it in the evening. Otherwise, you're going to have more leaf burn. So just make sure the corn is bone dry. Um, oh, the last thing. If you already put on 200 pounds of nitrogen, then I'm going to be doing some pre nitrate testing because that may be enough. If you've got heavy soil, the odds are you had some nitrogen carried over from last year because there was a drought in North Dakota or in northern South Dakota last year. Uh, and then you've got um, organic matter mineralization. That, so you're going to get some nitrogen for free out of your soil this year. So I'm not saying it's a dumb idea to put on another 100 pounds of nitrogen. It might pay, but I'd want to test my soil first and run the numbers a little bit and just decide from there. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Uh, oh, sorry. There was one last thing. He, he asked about timing. You, there's no rush. If you got 200 pounds of N on, that's probably enough for the entire season. So I'm not that worried about it. You won't need that last 100 pounds until after tassel. So in any time, I, I guess, if it's heavy soil, I'm not that worried about it. Um, you, yes, to your point, and especially if it's urea, you want to do it before rain. So just time it sometime in the next month before rain. Okay. I uh, got a series of questions here from Kelly. And the first one, he said, we've had... Uh, first of all, we're wondering, are all soluble, sprayable AMS products created equally? No. We're concerned about this, and we've had major issues with our farm well water. Is there a cheat to this solubility problem, uh, or is there a liquid AMS or, or something else we should be using? Well, liquid AMS is really bulky. It's more expensive. Regular ammonium sulfate the dry is a pretty good way to go. Now, I will say, if all you're after is sequestering hard water ions, which is what it sounds like you're asking here, then you can use, there are plenty of other products out there. So, I, I mean, plenty of liquid products, low use rate. There's a product we use on our farm called Water Right. Probably costs, I don't know, 30 to 50 cents an acre. So very inexpensive. Here's a sheet. Now, this is pretty interesting, Kelly. I'm glad you did this. You sent us uh, water quality tests from the area with a bunch of different samples here. Uh, that's kind of interesting. I think that's always a good idea. Run a water test and see what's your hardness and so forth. Uh, and and do I need to put something else in there to deal with that, with pH and hardness and, and all the other factors? Okay, yeah, but there's one that concerns me. It, it's this Cartwright one that there's only, let's see, for hardness it says 6. The other Cartwright one says 378. So what I'm concerned about here is, is that water treated? In other words, is that municipal water or rural water or something where it's got chlorine in it. If it's got chlorine in it, now I, I get worried because the pH has gone up, number one. And number two, if you have any biological or natural products that you're trying to use, they're dead. So I don't like that. There's a product we use called BioPrep, probably costs five cents an acre. And we use that in that kind of water. So it neutralizes the chlorine. It, well, I shouldn't say neutralize. It turns the chlorine into chloride. So it's like foliar feeding instead of having the chlorine kill all your microbes and artificially raise your pH. Uh, oh, there was one other thing I was uh, going to throw into the last comment about sequestering hard water ions. Keep in mind that ammonium sulfate does more than sequester hard water ions. It also will lower the water pH, number one. Number two, it adds nitrogen, and there are certain, like when you have Roundup and you're trying to kill, let's say, water hemp. A lot of people say, oh, the water hemp's resistant. Well, maybe, 
but in some cases, they just don't have ammonium sulfate in there. Water hemp is a nitrogen-sensitive weed. So if you have Roundup together with that nitrogen source of ammonium sulfate, the control's better. And then the last thing is, it does have nitrogen and sulfur in the ammonium sulfate, so you get faster recovery out of your crop, and you get a little bit faster kill with the weed because it's a, a foliar fertilizer, and you're stimulating the weed and the crop. And you might say, well, wait a second, if I'm stimulating the weed, how does it die faster? Because it moves the herbicide more quickly to the growing point, that's how. Okay, other question Kelly had is, he goes, I know about your signature three pre-program in front of traded soybeans. Unfortunately, we aren't following this to the letter, but what would you think about <laughs> using glyphosate with Spartan Charge as our pre-emerge, planting extend soybeans where I can use glyphosate and dicamba in the in the in-crop applications? Our main weeds are kochia and Russian thistle. Well, I, well, I don't like it. Because you only have one mode of action that's effective pre-emerge. You only have the Spartan. So now you're really counting on your post-spray. And tell me again what weeds? Kochia and Russian thistle. Yeah, I, I heard the kochia. Russian thistle. Okay, so let's put it this way. Post-emerge. Dicamba at some point is going to get banned. And it'll probably be mid-season some year, and then you're going to be really sad. Well, we already know the glyphosate won't kill the kochia. The dicamba... Um, we're already starting to see some resistance out there. I'm worried about that, number one. But even if you don't have that, there's a limit on how long you can spray that that bean, your extend beans, with dicamba. So then you say, okay, well, what else can I, how else can I kill kochia post-emergent soybeans? You know how? Cobra, and that's 60% control. So in other words, it's terrible and it costs some money. So what I'm saying here is just put the yellow on and put Metribuzin out there. Get two more of the pre's. So do the three pre thing. I'm trying to save you money here and give you better control. So you can do that program, but you're taking a lot of risk. And especially with the price of beans that we have, man, if even a little bit of the kochia or the Russian thistle isn't controlled, you're going to lose many bushels per acre. And you can add the Metribuzin and the yellow for less than one bushel per acre. So in the future, I just, I, there's no possible way in our farm, I'm planting beans without having three pre's down. There's no way I'm going to do it. And I don't care what my trait is because it's so cheap and it's so effective. And when we get post-emerge, if any of these things start to fail, you're in real trouble. All right. Thanks for the questions and comments, Kelly. Really appreciate it. I get this in from Bradley. He said, I've been thinking about the risk of chemical uh, burn from some of these residuals on seed. People are talking about splash up and so forth. I'm wondering, is it less risky if you plant the beans a little bit deeper and farther away from those things? Or is it better if you just plant them at an inch and give the beans a little faster emergence and still have more energy to fight the effects of those products? I think you don't even, you don't even worry about it that much. If you're that worried about it, then incorporate your herbicides and you won't have that splash up issue. Or if you go no-till, you won't have as much of that splash up issue either. I always it's have cosmetic. So, I always have so much fun on Fridays. We get just diverse questions, get to talk to people all over. <laughs> thanks to everybody yep. who was on. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions today. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.